Shades, and you're listening to Girls We Know on Family FM, recording inside Canal Street Radio. All right, welcome everyone. Yes, we have Second a special episode. guest, season two. Yeah, our first special guest hey. for season two. So I'll let you introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I am Nicole and Ziba. And I'm looking at these two fabulous women, <laughs> trying to figure out why me. No, just <laughs> why not you? Why yeah, not me? Exactly. Why not, why yeah. not me? <laughs> so I'm very excited to be here Yay. to talk fashion and yes. inclusivity and all that fun stuff, and then play a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. Okay. So why don't we just dive in yes. and tell? Um, and why don't you walk us through like your back? Background and what led you to fashion, yeah. to work right. in the industry. So I do not have a conventional career path at all, I, which I, for the longest thought, was actually a problem because when I speak to other people who are in the industry who kind of came into the industry when I did, it was like a very clear-cut path yeah. to get to where you want to go. But I kind of fell into the industry. I, I I posted a picture on social media yesterday of me in like a very awkward, um, looking like I should be singing the Sound of Music outfit that <laughs> oh I was God. put into in the uh, probably like 80s. So I was not necessarily someone who thought of fashion. I was in Catholic school from like kindergarten, so it was, you know, uniform, play clothes, church clothes. Mm-hmm. And growing up in New York City, though, when it's time to go to high school, you have to pretty much you pick a high school and you can go anywhere throughout the city which is insane to me which is yeah yeah, it's actually amazing Um, (laughs) and I was like I'm gonna go to Catholic school and you know I had this very forward-thinking teacher eighth grade teacher who said um no, you really need to apply to some of the public schools. Like, you don't know what your parents' situation is going to be next year. Like, right. apply to the public schools. So I was like, all right, fine. So one of the schools I applied to was High School of Fashion Industries. Shout out to fashion. <laughs> um, and I had to actually go to the school because they had, like, a placement test and everything. And the moment I walked into the school, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go here. Um, it was in. It's in Manhattan. It's like right in, off of Seventh Avenue, Fashion Ave. It has these huge windows that look like a department store. So you know, I'm walking up to this this like beautiful high school, and I'm like, this doesn't look like any high school I've seen before. Um, originally, because I used to draw and everything, even though I, I didn't necessarily dress really fashionable at the time, I loved to draw. I would copy things out of magazines. So at first, I thought I would do design. And then when I looked at the curriculum for design, it looked too hard. And of course, you know, I'm assessing this as like a 16-year-old. So it looked a 15-year-old. It looked very, very hard. So I was like, well, maybe not that. So I decided to do the business side. So I decided I'd study the business side of fashion and came into the high school as a merchandising student and found that I really liked it. Like, I loved fashion history. I loved learning about the textiles. I loved learning about the the actual business side of it. Um, Still had that creative streak, so I call myself a frustrated creative because I did follow... (laughs) I'm very much a frustrated creative um, because I really did follow that the business path um, went on to get um, a college degree in fashion merchandising and um, fashion... Uh, management, got my master's in marketing because I figured, well, let me kind of broaden what I can do. Um, And when I say I didn't follow a very distinct path, I started out in stores, which, you know, I I tell people all the time, especially young young people, the only way we're going to save stores is if we get young people with young thinking ideas into stores to save it. But I started out in stores, which is great because when you go corporate, you kind of have to understand what's going on in stores to do your job. Um, But I knew that it wasn't for me long term. So Mm -hmm. my first corporate job was as an allocator, which literally is what it sounds like. You are allocating merchandise to the stores Mm -hmm. Um, and then got a couple jobs as assistant um, buyer. And then this is where I kind of veered off path because then it's you're supposed to be an associate buyer and then you become a buyer and then you're a senior buyer. And then, you know, that didn't. Then I started following things that looked nice and shiny and <laughs> bright and fun. And um, I was like, well, you know, started looking at things that looked interesting to me, not necessarily because they followed a certain path. So I um, was in direct uh, marketing for a while where I was managing the mailings for retailers. So back when we used to actually send out catalogs and oh mailers and would look for like, you know, these big mailers to come to them. I was, worked for a company that mailed those out to different customers. Um, so I would get to, I still was a, a, um, connected to retail because I would have to come to New York and um, 
see all of the different marketing departments. I would go to Saks. I would be up in, um, uh, I think it was Orange County at a Dress Barn. Like, I was all over the oh, place. Yeah. yeah, I was down in Jacksonville at Steinmart. Like, I was every place, visiting places. Um, but that that lasted for a little while, and then I went back into assistant buyer. So I just kind of veered off path a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the thing is, it worked out for me because when I look at like the roster of jobs I've had between being from New York, going to school in New England, then moving to Boston, then moving to Maryland, then coming back to New York, I've done buying, I've done planning, I've done marketing, I've done direct marketing, I've done a lot of visual merchandising, which quiet is kept since I am a frustrated creative, is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Um, And so it's led me to a space where I can consult. I teach part-time graduate students who are seeking merchandising degrees because I've done so much Mm -hmm. that when asked, well, can you do this? I'm like, sure, yeah, I can do that. And um, so my day job, I work for Tommy Hilfiger. And I'm a business trainer for Tommy Hilfiger, so I train buyers and allocators and planners on the systems they need to do to do their jobs and some of their soft skills, um, some of the analysis that they need to do, some of the business acumen that they need to know. Um, so that's like my day job and then my side hustle because everyone needs to have multiple Especially streams of in income. New York. You exactly. Have a side yeah. <laughs> I'm an adjunct professor. I, I taught first at FIT and now I'm at LIM. Again, teaching grad school and um, fashion merchandising and retail management program. And then I have side side hustles where I you know consult small businesses um, sometimes on merchandising questions that they have, uh, sometimes on assortment questions that they have. And then I've worked um, for a couple years for BET, helping them uh, co-produce their BET experience. They have a a kind of sneaker convention um, activation that they do within the larger BET experience. So I've helped co-produce the Kickperience for two years. So that's where my creative juices get to flow because I got to do do two pop-up shops and help with stage design and, um, you know, fan gear and, you know, all that that other stuff that I don't get to do on the day-to-day. So I get to see both sides of it where I get to do some very creative things but then day to day I get to work on the side of the business that actually is the you know shows the is where the company makes their money basically yeah (laughs) because um yeah that's why I have that's why I have graduate students because they're all at heart very creative people who want to have their own businesses but don't want to be robbed blind so Mm -hmm. they realize that they can't just focus on the creative side of it so that's where I come in because I understand both sides of that Mm -hmm. that's the long and short of it (laughs) being someone that is very well accomplished and has, you know, like an extensive resume. How important is it to you to be able to, like, teach and, like, give that knowledge that you had on to, like, the next generation in the future? Um, to me, it's super important. Um, I've made missteps. Yeah. <laughs> I've had successes. And, you know, and I've benefited from people before me who's all, also been able to kind of bestow upon me, you know, things that they've done and, you know, paths that they've taken. Whether or not I follow the same path, it's always good to hear somebody else's insight. Mm-hmm. And I think that I started teaching at a really good time. Like, I have um, met, like, recent grads who say, you know, I want to teach in a few years. But to me, I started teaching at a, an excellent time because I had so much behind me that I can really, when I'm in the classroom, it's not just what's in the textbook. It's now let me tie this into an example that I've had in my own real life that I can give you. And then since I'm still a practitioner in the industry, it also is valuable because I'm not just telling them, you know, ancient stories of back in the day when I was in the industry. (laughs) It's like, no, let me tell you what happened today at work. Like, like you know, it could be, it's real. So for me, it's great because, you know, I love the fashion industry and the fact that we have people who still are interested in getting a fashion education because you know there are a lot of self-made people in the industry mm-hmm. you store side and corporate side like I'm throughout my whole career met people who kind of stumbled into retail because they were looking for a summer job yeah. <laughs> and they got a job kind of selling things and then it was like oh you know you're actually good at this maybe you want to apply for this within the store and then next thing you know a few years later they're like a regional manager so I know a lot of people kind of fell into it mm-hmm. but I think that there's a lot of value in getting a fashion education just like in any other industry because there's just so much theory behind it that's not just you know trial and error 
and being able to be in the classroom with people who also value that education and kind of being able to bestow my knowledge, my firsthand knowledge, not just I studied this and, you know, now I'm going to teach it to you. But no, I'm living this day to day to me is extremely important and they appreciate it. Yeah. They come back to me. They hit me up on LinkedIn. They, you know, ask me for advice when they're going on interviews. So, yeah. you know, it's definitely valuable. I think that's, that's awesome. really important, too, because I just think because I went to FIT for mm-hmm. a little bit, but my experience wasn't good. And I, I think it's like really important because you don't always get like that person who has like a well-established resume mm-hmm. who really wants to like help. Like I'll never forget. I'll, I can't remember his name, but it was a I was taking a merchandising class mm-hmm. and he was just getting really frustrated with a lot of the students. And I'm like, I'll never forget it. He was just like, you know. I'm getting paid to do to teach you guys at the end of the day, so like I don't really care whether you guys learn anything or not. Oh See, and that's God. terrible. And like, that, no, like no matter what me. you're studying, you want teachers who actually want to be there, yeah, right. want to teach, and that's you know, you learn I'm, from. I'm a mother and I have children, and I can tell you throughout their lives. Not a lot, but you come across teachers even, you know, in their grades where it's like, do you even really want to be here? Right. You really want to retire, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you're done with being here. You're just kind of biding your time. Like, yeah. it shows. And students don't appreciate that at all. You know, they're not going to want to learn. You know, you want them to want to come to your classroom. So. Yeah. Or at least I do. Right. <laughs> no, I yeah. agree. Especially, like, I know for me, like, I'm not someone that was, like, really good at, like, just school mm-hmm. and like so it's so it's like to have or it's like to find that one teacher that mm-hmm. essentially like believes in you and like really wants you to like do well like I really think that that makes all the difference yeah that's what we want yeah, so, yeah, so I'm like, I think that's really good that, you know, it's almost like you, you pay it forward. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, see, that's the way I saw it, because I've been studying fashion since I was in high school. You know, yeah. like I studied in high school, I studied in college and I, you know, and I also give them the teacher that's at times I wish I had also had because I also made, you know, crazy decision kids. Don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I decided I was going to leave New York to study fashion. So I you know, went to high school in the city. But when it came time for college. I left and I went to Rhode Island. I went to Johnson Wales University. Shout out. We were the Griffins. We're the Wildcats now. <laughs> Always a Griffin, though. Um, but at that age, you know, the decision to want to kind of spread my wings and be away from home outweighed any, like, future job aspiration. Yeah. So although I was studying the same, um, I was in the same vein studying, I was like, I'm leaving New York. So now, you know, I look back at that, I'm like, okay, well, you know, those te- those teachers they were good but they weren't necessarily that plugged into the industry and I probably would have benefited from yeah. you know going here and I got into FIT but in my mind I was like that is one subway stop further than I've been going for high school I'm yeah. not going to do that so I um I was like nope I'm gonna go to Rhode Island so when I look back I'm like yeah I had some good teachers but I wish that I had this and I wish I had that so I'm trying to be that that instructor that I wished I had had where I'm you know again they were in Rhode Island they weren't working in the industry when they were in, when they were instructing me. A lot right. of them had worked in the industry before, but they weren't like plugged in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like I'm so plugged in now. You know, I call up friends and I'm like, could you come speak to my students about this topic? And they're yeah. like, sure. Your mom came in when she first launched her hat company. Yeah. She came into one of my marketing classes. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. yes. She came in and spoke to my marketing class about launching her own business and how to market herself. Oh, so, she was so nervous. She, she was. really was. But oh, she was so awesome. nervous. I'm awesome. sure she was great. And she brought the she actually brought the person who manages her marketing for her. So it was, you know, I like that I'm able to do that and I wish I had, had more of that myself. Yeah. So I'm just trying to bring into the classroom what I didn't have because I know that the students will benefit from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So right now at your current role, since you're teaching, you know, giving them giving the buyers and the proper tools mm-hmm. to to do their job, how do you like with the industry the way that it is now and retail, like so many good stores are closing down. Like how like how do you go about like, you know, teaching or giving or like giving them advice on to like how to allocate their dollars? Because with buying, especially in corporate, it's so much more about dollars than more of like it's the their buy I feel it's like more about business rather than personal. It is when you're a small boutique and you're buying, it's like I love this top, I love this brand. It makes you know it 
it's, it's very emotional. It's very it's emotional, smaller. and oh, you're right. you know, corporate it gets a lot about the the dollars, right? Um, and I'm really old school, so a lot of times, so the the population that I train, they're usually like very very green. So I'm mm-hmm. getting like new assistant buyers, new planners. Um, some of them, it's their first or second position. Planners, they usually have been there for a while, um, unless we're promoting from within. If we bring in a planner, they're usually coming from another company, but. And I sound, I know I sound like like a dinosaur when I tell them this, but I'm like, you have to get out into stores. Because when I came into the industry, it was a rite of passage. You had to work in stores before you even thought about coming corporate. Yeah. You had to get in there, fold some t-shirts for the summer. Like you had to show that you actually know the business right, at the yeah. end, of, you mm-hmm. know, the customer facing side of the business because that's where your money is made. And now it's no longer a requirement. Now we have assistant buyers, allocators that are coming straight from college mm-hmm. into corporate. And, you know, you never would have seen that before. So I feel like there's almost a disconnect because they're not necessarily understanding the, the store. Everything is very digital. I know they're probably doing a lot of their interview um, prep online research Mm -hmm. and not walking an actual store. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes it's hard because, you know, you try to get them to connect the dots. So one of the things that I do as part of my role is I manage a store training program. So once a month, um, our locations in New Jersey, our Secaucus store, our Elizabeth mega store, our clearance store in Secaucus and our warehouse in Secaucus, they open up their doors and we send new hires to them to basically spend a whole day blitzing stores with them. So, and I know it's not the same as, you know, working there for years before you get that assistant buyer job, but it still gives them exposure to different volume stores. They walk with the managers, the managers will speak to them, you know, real talk about, you know, when you're planning my department, You know, or when you're creating that um, that promotion and you're asking us to promote these items together, but the merchant is telling us to merchandise them this way, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We can't sign it. You know, so they're kind of seeing firsthand. And then I debrief them afterwards, and it's always like mind blowing to them. You know, even if they don't know what the store looks like, they don't. So they're just like, it's it's so shocking when I see that. Time and time again, it blows my mind because they're like, I didn't realize my fixture fit those many units, and it's like. Okay, well, you know, maybe you should go again. Yeah. You know, kind of keep keep your finger on the pulse of it because I, you know, I want to definitely make sure that they understand how to connect the dots between what they're doing. You know, one had a revelation um, after going out that the packaging that one of their items was in wasn't very secure and that the items were walking away and the packaging was being left. So it was kind of like a wake-up call that, oh, wow. You know, and it's because a store manager was able to tell them, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. They take it. The packaging stays. That's where the security tag, you know, and they were like, oh, you know. So I try, 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 try. From the moment I meet them, I ask them, you know, have you been to stores? And I'm like, what's the closest store to you? I might go to the store. And then, you know, a few weeks in, they go out to the stores for the formal training that that I run. Sometimes I go with them so I can see some of the questions that are being asked while they're there but um for my students for my the side hustle part of it I was excited this semester because I'm the class that I'm teaching all my classes I always ask what they're they aspire to do like why are you here yeah and I have two students in my current class that actually said that they want to work on the like retail store side and I was like God bless you I'm like I could hug you and they're like why and I'm like because you know there are all these think pieces about you know the retail apocalypse and the death of the stores and (laughs) everyone's shopping online and everything's gonna shut down and I'm like people are still very tactile people still want to touch things you know I want to compare before I buy something so sometimes I want to go into a store but we have to understand that the business model of the store has to change and the only way we can do that is if we really start shuttling young people into the stores again. You mm-hmm. can't change it with somebody like me who's been in the industry for like 30 years. You yeah. can't do that. You need some, we need like an infusion of new thoughts, new ideas. Like, what is it you want? Do you want augmented reality in the stores where we have smart mirrors where I don't have to take my clothes off and I can just stand in front of the mirror and cycle through outfits? <laughs> Great. If you have a tech degree, retail needs you. You know, like yeah. we need things like that. Um, yeah. You know, younger people want things that are experiences, which are why yeah. pop up shops are working so much better than um, 
than just regular traditional brick and mortar stores. So, okay, well, if that's the case, then brick and mortar stores need to figure out how do I make a pop-up shop type environment every day mm-hmm. in my store where people want to be, not just during holidays where we bring in a DJ yeah, and have yeah. some excitement, but like all the how time. do we do this all the time? How do we have guests there all the time? When we look at a company like Sephora, to me, it's their whole business is experiential because you go in there and you have to touch and you have to feel and like I still can't wrap my head around buying cosmetics online unless no, I'm either. rebuying something I yes. already have. Mm-hmm. So you go in there and you touch it and you feel it and they always have special events in there where they have some celebrity makeup artist or come and learn how to do a cat right. eye and it's like okay yeah. yes I'll go you know so how do we do that with apparel like how do we do that with other types of retail to make it more exciting mm-hmm. and you know we really I think before when we were kind of trying to figure out how we shuttle good um, store people into corporate, we need to start figuring out how do we get good corporate people out to stores. Yeah, absolutely. I always kind of like see it like, this is like funny, like, you know how in the music industry when like that song video killed the radio star? (laughs) I kind of almost feel it's like digital has killed (laughs) the the retail star. Like, how do you feel about like digital, like with all these platforms, social media, Mm -hmm. Instagram, you're able to like, you know, just have some, like you can sell off these platforms. And I'm guilty. I am a point and click shopper all the time. Like I'm notorious. I will be driving down the street We'll drive past a store. I'll see something in a window of a store. I will go online to that website <laughs> and I will enter in the description of the item I saw in the window, find it online and buy it. Like that was a true story that happened to me one time li- leaving my family in, in Brooklyn. My husband's driving. We're driving past Atlantic San- Center. I see a jumpsuit in the window. Before we hit the Brooklyn Bridge, I had placed an order for this like <laughs> <Yeah>. jumpsuit <laughs> because I was like, gotta have it. So I'm guilty of that, especially for brands that I shop often because I know how they fit so I don't feel like I need to try them on. Um, But, you know, to me, it's really sad because, Mm. you know, I grew up going to a lot of these stores that are dying, you know, like going to the mall, hanging out in the mall. It was a social environment. And I can see, like, with the American Dream Mall in Jersey that they're trying to bring that social aspect back to it. Um, Up by where I am, just a little bit over the bridge, um, there's the Palisades Mall and there's, like, a Ferris wheel in there and a rope climb. And, you know, they have, you know, definitely figured it out a while ago that they need to have other things in the mall besides just shopping Mm -hmm. where it's almost becoming where it has to be the malls are these like experiences where you can also buy things Mm -hmm. because the focus is no longer I'm going there to shop the focus is oh I'm going there for other things there's a great restaurant there oh but while I'm there I didn't know that this store was here Um, I also think that again we need to look at what the stores look like what's the structure of the store what's the what does customer service look like to you like do we need to have three people behind a counter yes. who's ringing us up or can it just be if I'm helping you and you're ready to check out I whip out like my little iPhone and I ring you up instead yeah. of sending you off somewhere like the quickest way to get me out the door let's figure that out yeah, so right. you know I think there again I think there are ways to save it um, we just need better newer fresher thoughts but it's so sad to me when Lord and Taylor went last year and now yeah. Barney's this year Barney's and, is like really you know um, really, I know really. Macy's has been trying is holding on to that Herald Square space because the real estate people have been trying oh to get that God, space Macy's. forever so you know it's it's hard it's hard I never you know thought that I would see like Barney's was like tradition yeah. for my family we go yeah. see the Christmas tree the my windows. father goes across the street to buy socks because he yeah. was always like I have to be able to buy at least one thing in Barney's every year and my father was like he would go in he'd buy socks you know so it was like okay this is tradition yeah. and the go lining up to see the windows and now the it's win- like right it's an institution it's an yeah. institution and now it's oh so my gosh sad. it's very sad when I I, I, I work crying close to Lord when and I Taylor. saw people's like Instagram <sighs> that work at Barney yes and they were posting their last day yeah. like I saw a girl she was posting like her last day at the buying office yeah. I was so sad it's really sad and when, I, ma- when I walk yeah. past Lord and Taylor it still makes me sad it's, because the window there's you know there's chains on the doors yeah. and some of the, the like windows the were broken like it really looks like, like that whole block is yeah. just like a dead block and I'm right it's just so much real estate my question is then so what are you going to do with this like what are you going to do with it now that it's empty like what can you possibly yeah. do with it right if what? you no longer have that tenant like what's the plan I think um, uh, for Barney's, they said something like, "Oh, like 
because it's under like Saks now, yes. so they're gonna start. Which I they're gonna do Barney pop ups. I, I read like they're gonna start doing like just kind of I guess short term Barney yeah. pop ups and probably lease out part of that building, carve it up. Yeah, like it was like you'll feel logos. Barney's presence in Saks, but I'm like I don't want to go to no. Saks to see Barney's. Like I want to go to Barney's right. to, to see Barney's. Barney's exactly. yeah. Also, I think like no other retailer really invests in emerging brands like Barney. They do. Like, they do. Like Saks, Neiman's, they're just so safe with their mm-hmm. buy. And Barney's, Barney's, really was, close. Barney's was Bar- good at close, seeking out those like unknowns. Yes. Right. You know, the ones that you knew they they knew were going to be like they're going to make emerging it and, and make it hot. Yeah. 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 They just, and probably you. the second one closest to that would be Bergdorf. Yeah, that's you know? it. Because they're good at, at discovering people as well. They discovered Michael Kor. You know, so they're good at discovering right. people as well. But uh, and taking a risk on on new um, designers. But mm-hmm. you don't see that anymore, especially no. in this environment. Now everyone really wants to play safe because yeah. they're like, oh, if we gamble and this doesn't work, and it's like, no, no. You know, the word disruptor is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might want to get into it. Yeah. It's crazy. I went on the Barney's website yesterday. I was just like, this is really, mm-hmm. like, this is real. It's happening. Like, you literally just see, like, two, like, a big red sign mm-hmm. and a yellow sign, big sale. And you would never see that. Sale. When yeah. would you ever see no. that? No. No. Never. Nope. And I know. I went home. My mom, she was like, she's like, I can't even use my Barney's credit card anymore. Right. Like, yeah. they shut everything yes. down. It's done. Like it's to sad. see, it's really sad. Like th- these brands, like five percent off, ten percent mm-hmm. off, everything is final sale. Like that's like insane. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that thirty percent off. Though. Right, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for that. 60 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like refresh, refresh. <laughs> like, like, I don't care if down. I have to buy like ten sizes too big. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll take it when in. it goes down. <laughs> I'll put it in the dryer will, a little bit. That, that was me at Lord and Taylor last year at the fl- at the flagship. I got like all of my holiday cocktail dresses, and I'm like, ah, I could get this taken. And yeah, yeah. It's fine make this work yeah that's it just to say it's like just to say you got it just to say yep stack it up and it's like now I definitely feel like because this is like the last time you're really ever going to be able to shop from Barney's Mm -hmm. so it's like Like you're definitely buying something like the last time you can shop from the real Barney's yeah it's like Mm -hmm. it's really depressing it is I know it is is the apocalypse it's really sad but I also think you know a lot of things that came into play not a lot of things but some like some things it's like really great emerging boutiques like a 4510 Mm -hmm. who are kind of like the new Barney's in a small way where they're also investing in emerging designers. Right. Like in a lot of um, shops like like Shop Super Street in California who mm-hmm. invest in like like emerging designers that are not known but they're hot. Like they like these small curated boutiques are take are opening up new doors yeah. for designers and I think young people are more like they, they want to shop with an experience and these boutiques are giving them that experience. Yeah. Right. And they're getting things where it's not necessarily they're going to see themselves coming and going because right. it's not like off a big rack in a department store. Mm-hmm. So they're finding these unique finds and I, I like boutiques. I, I like the size of it. I like the atmosphere sphere of it Um, and then you know the other side of it also is the big reemergence also of vintage Um, you know twofold a you know a lot of the trends that we see now are retro anyway so you might as well if you can find the originals buy the originals but because sustainability and fashion is such a hot topic now as well because the fashion industry is one of the most wasteful industries because of all the fabric and you know how much water they use to make denim it's a lot so you're seeing that now where companies are using a lot more recycled fabrics and Mm -hmm. trying to find ways to be more sustainable but another way to do that is also to shop vintage because then it's like oh well you know you don't have to produce something new for me I'm just gonna go and buy this dress from you know B Altman from 1982 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and call it a day so um, so you know there's a lot of different avenues which is why again you know retail's not going to die because especially like if you're shopping something like vintage you do that you really should buy in person yes <laughs> the pictures don't necessarily do things justice and you can't always see the wear and tear of some even if it's gently used of something even if it's something that's worth repairing you do want to see it up close Just and so you know make sure that is it something that I can get repaired so right. vintage is also a great way to go um, to kind of stay fashionable but 
be sustainable with your fashion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we're, I'm seeing a lot of that, other people who are individually, you know, curating and selling vintage or vintage shops that are popping. And it's funny because I look around down here, we're on Canal Street, and when I was in high school, we used to come to Canal Street to go to vintage stores. So yeah. it's like, here we go. I used to buy like $10 coats, $5 like grandpa blazers. They still smelled like pipe smoke. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we all wanted to dress like, you know, Denise Huxtable in the big oversized yes. clothing. So we would be down here at like Canal Jeans Company, buying like all this vin- army surplus stores, buying, you know, camouflage pants and army jackets. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, come on, bring on the vintage. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. Everything always comes back. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to get mad at my mother because I'm like, what do you mean you had an Emilio Pucci dress? Why would you have gotten rid of that? And she's like, because the style changed. And I'm like, I oh, know. It always God. comes back. Always. And this is me always. as like the angry high school student studying fashion history. Like, I just learned about Pucci. She's I, like, I had a Pucci dress. So I'm like, you what? That's <laughs> like my mom. She's like, yeah, I that I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they don't know. I, and I do the same thing now. I'm like, oh, I probably should have held on to that. Okay. Yeah. I say that all the time because then you see something that's like similar. I'm like, oh, yes. I had a bag like that. Uh-huh. Or I had a, I had shoes like that. Uh-huh. Something. <laughs> right. But then you don't want to be a hoarder. Right. And you yeah. want to you want to bring more things into the house. So it's like yeah. you kind of got to get rid of stuff. But then you're like, dang, I should have that. I should have held on. Yeah, to. Like you can literally have. So I know I'm guilty of it. Like I can literally have something in my closet for like maybe like three years, <laughs> and then like when it's time for me to get rid of it, I'm like, no. But like I could really work this right. into my wardrobe. Like right. I could find some sneakers or like right. some pants to go with this. I can do this. I can do this. Oh <laughs> like God. forcing it. That's so funny. <laughs> I definitely have become more of like a conscious shopper. Mm-hmm. Like I buy things that like are, I used to just be able, I should just buy like just because I wanted it or mm-hmm. just because I liked it. And now I do, even if I spend the money, like I'll spend good amount of money on something that makes me feel good. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's like, I don't have anything in my closet, but I know that that sweater makes She's me like, feel really yeah. mean, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I've worn so this sweater like, yet. like, you know, four times already this week. <laughs> With different pants. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not there yet. I went to a um, a shopping event. It was a charity event last night at um, Ralph Lauren. And I was like checking out this woman's outfit. I was checking out another woman's outfit. And I was saying, I was like, I find I grab the same things or I grab like very similar things and put together very similar outfits. So I'm always trying to think of, okay, how'd you put that together? Because I know there's something in my closet. There's a gem in there where I could. I can do that same outfit. I just haven't put the pieces together that way. So yeah, I'm definitely not living lean when it comes to yeah, me either. <laughs> Clothing, it's hard. shoes, accessories. Yeah, shoes. I mean, hard. I have a lot of shoes that I don't wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But clothes, I, I can go without buying clothes. But shoes is something that I... Clutch the purse. <laughs> <laughs> shoes I'm is a big sneaker that... person. Are me too. you? I See, am. I was not a big sneaker head until BT got in my head. Because working on yeah. their experience, then I was exposed to all these different vendors and brands. And I'm on these calls and they're talking about these brands. And then they're like, follow this person on Instagram. And I'm like, okay. And then next thing you know, I'm like... I have a lot of sneakers. And uh, first it was like, okay, I have a lot of sneakers because I just want some sneakers so that when I go out to L.A. for the event, I can kind of like, you know, look the part. So I have different ones every day. And then it's like off season, not working on the event. Those are nice sneakers. Yeah. I'm just gonna get those sneakers. And like my son is like a gigantic, gigantic sneakerhead. He's like the, the save up the birthday money. Mom, Same. if I give you half, can you um, put the other half? Put the other half for me to get these sneakers that are dropping. So, you know, so he definitely has an appreciation for sneakers. So I've I've learned to, I've, I've, for a little part, I tried to be the, no, you know, I really don't wear sneakers unless, you know, I'm working out type thing. And now I'm like, Listen, I need to be comfortable and cute. So, uh-huh. And there's a lot of really cute sneakers out yeah. there that don't make you look like you should be in an aerobics class. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, nah. I'm so I just say it's like <laughs> everything is like all in how you dress. Like I know like mm-hmm. the two people like I absolutely love, Tiana Taylor mm-hmm. and Alan Onya. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. oh my God. Yes. Like his style alone is just... I could literally click through everything he wears. It's like how to wear sneakers and not look bummy one away. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. just follow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so nope, true. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so going back to, I know you said you worked, um, you're at Tommy Hilfiger now. Mm-hmm. And I know you were a part of the Zendaya collaboration. 
Yeah, so this was fun. So this was like, <laughs> talk, I stumble into things too. That also is why my career has been so, yeah, this looks like fun. <laughs> so at um, so Tommy Hilfiger is under the umbrella of PVH okay. um, Corporation, Phillips Van Heusen, but PVH for short. So at PVH, we have these different um, business resource groups, which are, for all intents and purposes, clubs for employees that where you kind of match on different types of, um, you know, things that, that you are have in common. So there's like a working parent business resource group. There's a LGBTQ. Um, <laughs> LGB, I don't want to leave out any of the letters. LGBTQ plus yeah. um, um, club. And then there's one for African-Americans called BRAVE. So that stands for, that's um, Building Resources for African-American Voices and Empowerment. So it pulls together associates from all over PVH. So it's Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, the Underwear Group, Speedo, like wherever. Our Bridgewater people in Jersey. It brings all of us together because I can be in my building all day and walk from you know my desk to the pantry to the elevator and not necessarily see somebody who looks like me. Although we're right. in the building, we're all over the building, much yeah. less see the other people throughout the company, throughout PVH. So we have this business resource group that we launched in 2018. So in 2018, I joined, but really just would get the emails and wouldn't, wouldn't participate that much because I also was relatively new to the company. So this year, they were celebrating their first year anniversary, and they talked about some movement within the leadership, and um, one of the openings was for a communication lead. So I said, okay, you know what? If I actually, because I go from zero to 100 real quick, I'm like, <laughs> if I actually throw myself onto the leadership um, team, then I'll have to participate in the activities and get to know people. Right. So I was like, I'll do that. So you know, I asked if I can do that, and it, um, you know, Went through a couple rounds. Um, other people, of course, had also put their name in a hat. So ultimately, they were like, yes, you get the job. So um, I send out the communication for the group and um, help plan events for the group just to bring everybody together. So some, last year, they were very much social and cultural. This year, we've done a lot of um, enhancing your career at PVA. So we've done some lunch and learns. But we also became a resource very serendipitous serendip I can never say that word so I don't even know why I tried serendipitously serendipitous now I can't say luckily we were able we kind of fell into this um opportunity to help consult on the Zendaya and Tommy show so Tommy Hilfiger um despite what Urban myth has said he does like black people. Okay. Oh. I was like, that was definitely a question. Google it. Oh. Google the actual interview with Oprah because at the time that the rumor came out, he had never actually been on Oprah Winfrey show at the time. And right, I think it was her last season, he finally went on and the first thing she said it was a BFL, a big fat lie. Because she was like, he's never been on my show. But what he did say was, just so, I'll get back to what I was talking about with the Zendaya stuff, but because I know people feel like she works for who? I know. <laughs> um, what happened was he was asked by a reporter, um, did he make his clothing for like urban youth for black kids? And he started his answer saying, no, I made it for everybody. But they jumped on the no. No. Yes. Right. And they were like, Tommy Hilfiger says no. He didn't make his clothes for black. By the time he did actually land on Oprah, she had a copy of the rumor as it was at that time. And it said he didn't make it for black Spanish. Um, he was like, basically, she's like, everybody except dogs. Like, <laughs> she was like, everybody except dogs. And he said his takeaway, and of course, this was before the internet. This was before, like, the rumor, when he got on Oprah, it had been 10 years since the rumor had first surfaced. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And he said that, um, the thing that he learned from the whole um, situation was to never start an answer with no. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like, because that becomes the sound bite. And he was like, the, if you, you know, if anyone had heard the full answer, it was no, I didn't make it for black people. I made my clothes for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, and when he first, um, his first company many, many years ago was actually in Elmira, where he grew up, and it was called People's Place. And it was like a clothing and record store where people of That's all, so cool. like, there's pictures all over our offices of like him and people of like all races in their bell-bottom jeans and afros and stuff, like hanging out at his first store. So That's he was so like, cool. like literally my that. first store was for yeah. like the people. So he's like, so no, that's not quite the case. And because of his brother, Andy Hilfiger, who was always plugged into the music industry, he actually became the first um, 
American um, luxury designer to start dressing rappers. Oh, because wow. Andy Hilfiger came to him and was like, "Hey, there's a rapper named Grand Pooba, and he dropped your name in his ra- in his rap. So his lead he was into in the what? Yes, I went to and with his son. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. So in his lead into um, the what's on his what's the four one one feature for Mary J. Blige's song. I'm dating myself now. Back in '92, <laughs> I think that remix came out. Um, he said that he dropped Jerbo and Tommy Hilfiger. And Andy was like, hey, this rapper said your name and his rapper. He was like, who is he? And he's like, his name is Grand Poobah. He's like, send him some clothes. So he's like, oh, okay. And then like Snoop Dogg came to me at one point and was like, you know, can I get some of your clothes for my concert? And he was like, yeah, sure, give him some clothes. Andy brought him Aaliyah, was like, this girl's gonna be big. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he was I mean, like, yeah, all right, the, like, we'll purse the, the top, top. Yeah, yeah, the like, iconic, iconic tube top. Yeah. And then he said he brought him, um, uh, Destiny's Child and he said he was like who's the girl in the middle <laughs> like, that's Beyonce he's like he's gonna go far dressed sure up sure enough so it's it's really funny that the rumor still has legs because mm-hmm. I'm like you just gotta look at the pictures to see that that was never the case because right. a lot of those artists were dressed after the time when he was said to have said no right. that's not who I made it for um, so he always finds like people who he thinks has like a really great sense of style that he was like, you know, I would love to do like a collaboration with them because, you know, I think that they kind of like epitomize like that uh, American classic style with a twist. So he did a collabo. When I first started, he was in the midst of a collaboration with Gigi Haddad, mm-hmm. which had, you know, totally different flavor from mm-hmm. what we see now, but it was really cute stuff. The coat that I'm wearing today is actually from her collection. Um, and then he did a collaboration, a men's collaboration with Lewis Hamilton, who's a Formula One racer. Really cute uber nice. Tommy had seen him a couple times and it said we should do something together and Lewis said that he was like sure. And then finally he reached out to us like let's do something together. He yeah. was like oh no you're actually serious. Like you really want to <laughs> do something with me. And he's like yeah I want to do a line with you. So he loved Zendaya's style and was like I really want to do something with Zendaya. Let's collaborate. So she brought him in. Uh, he brought her in um, along with her stylist um, Laura Roach. Love him. Um, yeah. Who's been dressing her since the Disney days Man. and they did like this like beautiful beautiful spring collection that um the show was in Paris so it was like streamed in Paris it was great very like 70s feel very she wanted like women power dressing yeah. but like sexy and you know like it, beautiful so then she said okay so for my second collection I want to bring the show to New York and she's like I want to do it in Harlem and you know inspired by the type of clothing they were, were making she's like that's like the perfect perfect like atmosphere for the show so he was like okay we could do that so I learned in this whole process that our shows, our our big fashion shows, these huge events are actually planned out of our global headquarters, which is in Amsterdam. So, if guys, if you ever want, <laughs> I love Amsterdam. To, I'm listen, obsessed. we are always they're always looking for people to go to Amsterdam. Like there's so many um, Americans that are working at our offices in Amsterdam, and the team in Amsterdam puts together our um, Tommy Now shows. Oh wow! So yes, so Zendaya's like, I want to do this Harlem show. So you have this team in Amsterdam that's like, okay, and she wants like old Harlem, like old. Cars, like you know, black exploitation movie type yeah. um, back, like backdrop, like. right? So they were like, okay, so we have ideas what we want to do, but in this atmosphere where every time you turn around, there is some company that thinks that they're kind of paying homage mm-hmm. to the culture, and they go completely left, and it mm-hmm. ends up being offensive, and it ends right, up being yeah. a mockery. They did not want that to be the case. So they were like, we want to consult with people who understand the culture and can kind of, you know, we can bounce our ideas off of, tell them what it is that we're looking to do Mm -hmm. and can consult with us on what it is they're doing. So they reached out to Brave. They reached out to the Brave leadership and they were like, would you be willing to like get on calls with us? Like, we'll show you our deck. We'll show you what we're planning. We'll show you our designs. We'll show you the community organizations that we want to bring in. We'll show you the musicians that we want to bring in, what the backdrop is going to look like, the cars that we want to bring, like everything. They're like, we want to bounce everything off of you because they wanted to make sure that it was as authentic as can be and it really was you know not a mockery it wasn't mm-hmm. you know what is you know what are you guys doing this looks crazy it looks right. like a slum why are the windows broken not that that's what they were creating but they wanted yeah. to make sure that it was going to be as authentic and appealing as can be and also in fitting with the vision of what she wanted so um, as you can imagine, my building was a buzz. There was one day where I was going down um, the elevators and doors open up and there's like 
these girls that are all like six feet, <laughs> six foot two, because they were doing the model calling in my building. But um, but it was great. Again, frustrated creative in me was so excited to be like, yes, show me all your plans. Like I'm gonna go through your deck with a fine tooth comb, yeah. and you know, really let's talk about it. They bounced off, um, you know, even the statement that they were having Tommy put out about why it was in New York. And I remember there was a line about, um, you know, the way that the runway looks because our runway had it was different races when yeah. she did it in Paris she had it was all um, African American Afro Latino women but this time around uh, this we had African Americans we had Caucasian women we had young women we had older women mm-hmm. and like Weck walked the runway yeah. like I mean it was amazing we had men in the you know in the suits like it was a little bit of everything <laughs> so no so that was it was a lot of fun it was definitely a lot of fun yeah. yeah, it's so funny because when like I look at it, though that show and like Fenty show are like the two that really mm-hmm. stood out when it came to like the conversation talk about inclusivity. Yeah. Like that was really in that big. whole week. I, yep. Yeah, absolutely. In that whole week. Like I really can't think of like two other fashion shows that like yeah, like they stood out I for think like Pierre fashion Moss purposes. Has a great show. Yes, you're right. You're right. Pierre and I didn't. Like, so this season I didn't pay attention to Michael Kors, but I know for his spring show he had a lot of beautiful models of color walking down because and it was only because one of them caught my eye because she looked like a friend of mine and like screenshot and I was like this looks like you girl <laughs> and then she was like oh that's ha, funny she's like but it's good to see you know people that look like us so I was like yeah so then I started like clicking through all the pictures I'm like oh wait okay Michael like, yeah. like yeah. he had a lot too so it's good not being the okay there's that one token black model mm-hmm, there's right. the one Asian model right. and then the rest is just this kind of like yeah. homogenous group of models walking down the runway like yeah. because that's not you know representative of the people who are buying the clothes right, right. like I want to see me in the clothes I right. want to see you know I want to see a thick girl in the clothes I want right. to see a skinny girl in the clothes I think that's what's really important yeah. that like mm-hmm. not only are we seeing different shades but you're seeing different like body Bodies, shades right. yeah. I it's think like, Chromat does a great job in, inclus- in including different body yeah. types They're, they do a great runway s- okay I think we're gonna get into our second segment of Game the time. show yeah, boy. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the first time we're introducing this to um, our podcast now that we're up on the second season yes okay. so we're gonna play a little game called this or that yeah right okay we can all participate too we made like a bunch but yeah (laughs) okay so let's see where can we start okay um turkey turkey (laughs) and stuffing or yams and mac and cheese Oh, Since man. Since the holidays are approaching. You can't mix and match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had to choose between those two, just because I'm not a fan of yams, what? I would have to go with the turkey and stuff. Oh, my god! Really, quite as kept, I want the turkey and the mac and cheese. <laughs> Me, too. I am for the turkey and the mac and cheese. because I'm not. A fa- I hate turkey. I hate really? stuffing, turkey. and I don't like yams. I used to have, one of my children's babysitters used to make this amazing cornbread stuffing and that was the first time I oh, ever liked good. stuffing was uh-huh. because it was this cornbread stuffing oh maybe I like that so yeah yeah but uh, yams see I'm like mac- I like that sweet and salty like no. when you mix it together it's just that's like- what the cranberry sauce is for with the turkey different though let's see um okay so a 99% chance to win $100,000 or a 50-50 chance at $10 million. Wait, say that again? <laughs> so a 99% uh-huh. chance to win $100,000 uh-huh. or a 50-50 chance at $10 million. See, <laughs> I am very very conservative when it comes to my gambling so mm-hmm. I would go with the 99% chance because there's a 50% chance I'm going to lose yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with the 50 just because I always think of I'm not a gambler but when I do I'm, I'm like you know what I didn't have it to begin with so oh, I'm like yeah, oh, that's very true like, <laughs> I like that thinking okay let's see okay, I'm going to have to adopt that thinking that's true okay. but I'm not going to lie I'm probably going to do the 99% <laughs> but I want something <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, because I don't want to take that risk and end up with nothing when I could have just had something. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. 
same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Netflix. Netflix. Only thing with Hulu is I say like they're more up to date with like shows that are like actually on TV already. Well, That's see, the only thing. I I DVR everything that I want to mm. watch. So when I want to watch like a network show, then I'll binge watch it on my DVR. Yeah. So but I like the Netflix originals and Me Netflix too. docs and that, so yeah. So I'm usually on Netflix for those things. To be loved or to be feared? To be loved. I'm a Leo. <laughs> we want everyone to love us. <laughs> okay, so while commuting, music or podcasts? I need. Ooh, you know what? It depends on my mood. Yeah. Commuting? Well, actually, you know what? Typically, commuting is music and work is podcast. Oh, yeah. see, for me, commuting is podcast. Really? And working is music. Okay. Like today, I was like having a full on sitting in my seat Beyonce dance party on <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the train, listening to one of the many Beyonce, uh, whatchamacallit, stations on Spotify. Oh, yeah, because there's a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, music usually, because that sets my mood. So, mm-hmm. when I'm at work, I can go either way, but music will set my mood. So, if I'm commuting in music is usually the good bet especially because yeah. a lot of podcasts I listen to are true crime so they probably <laughs> don't want me listening Wait, to I this. feel like I have to listen to this because <laughs> everybody talks about this your favorite serial killer serial killer yes. okay I don't know that one but I'm really into crime junkie Ooh. that one's really good and then I just got into um there's another one off of Crime Junkie that tells like fictional stories. Okay. Uh, it's there's one uh, Crime I cannot Junkie, remember I the name recommend. of it, but it's these two people who they actually dissect documentaries, but Ooh. in a comical way. So it's like documentaries are already like out, and then they'll be like, today we're gonna dissect the documentary on Jeffrey Dahmer. So they're giving it's like you ever watch those videos on I YouTube? Know, where I it's know like that. I haven't. I know that. Yeah. So they're yeah. talking. They're dissecting the document. And if you've seen the documentaries, it's even funnier listening to them talk about because you're like, <laughs> I wondered the same thing right. while I was watching it. <laughs> right. So yeah, so definitely podcast at work. But yeah, coming into work, I'm I'm having a dance party. You are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like strictly music yeah Yeah. like 100% 100%. for everything strictly music do not go over to the dark side because you'll be walking out everyone is an unsub you're like walking down like you look like a serial killer I'm subscribed to like 20 podcasts I'm like why do I do this to myself she literally she tells me about a podcast I've all the time she's like did you listen to this I'm like girl yeah I'm such a big podcast person that's funny okay um another one Let's see. To be a thief or a liar? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Angie pulling out the dark one. Right. <laughs> a thief or a liar? A thief. Because I like nice yeah. things. <laughs> Same. I'm a, I'll be the and thief. If, and if I was the one percent that true. didn't get that hundred thousand, <laughs> I'm a rob me a person. <laughs> That's very true. I was like, gotta mix it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, last one: a live-in massage therapist or a live-in chef? Ooh. I would go with the chef. I said same. the same. <laughs> I would go with the chef. Same. Yes. I yes. hate yes. massages. <laughs> I actually love well, massages, love massage, but not as much as I like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't, I don't like have to make, and if my, I don't, I don't have, have to, to cook. Make, yes. Also, like I'm a, I can cook, but I I can't like cook. Yeah. Cook. Right. So, not throwing down. Like, yeah. Or like to wake up in the morning and my chef has made me food. Yeah. And Three packs times my a lunch, day. And yeah. then I come home from work yeah. and the food is ready. Like chef. Yes. Absolutely. How many massages could I possibly have? Honestly. I eat every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even for like the people who like are on like those special diets, like mm-hmm. it's easier to stay on track because now oh, you yeah. have someone making your food yes. for you. Like yeah. Like do you know when I decide to go through like my little all right I'm gonna to do like smoothies for 30 days yeah make me smoothies exactly so it's like so easy yes personal <laughs> chef yeah to it yeah. Thank Agree. You for playing with us our first know, our first fun. time yeah thank you okay so before we head out yeah. why don't you if you want to you don't mm-hmm. have to no pressure um let everybody know if and where they can follow you on the social platforms so i'm really terrible but i'm not terrible so i'm <laughs> So I'm old, y'all. So I'm still on Facebook. You know where most of you <laughs> listeners don't go. But I am also on Instagram. I am at Nick Nice. I um I am one of those people who my page is private, so you do have to request me, and I will accept you after a vetting process to see who else you follow and who is followed by you. Got um, a network, right? <laughs> 
but I am at Nick Nice, at N-I-C-N-I-C-E. Okay, yay. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you, guys. You just listened to another episode of Girls We Know in partnership with Listening Party. The creators of Family FM follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Bye. Until next time.